Hello, my name is Chris Fett and welcome to Saturday Every's Breaking News Pod as Rangers have announced that Michael Beale will be the club's 18th manager. Joining me to discuss this is, first of all, Eddie. Eddie, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing well, mate. This is uh, another exciting pod to be on. Looking forward to talking it through. At least it's relatively positive this time. Um, I'm, I'm sure if there's one man who can bring a negative to us, it'll be the, the next guest, <laughs> who is, of course, Dave. Dave, how are you doing, mate? No, I'm... I'm pretty positive about this, I have to say. Yeah, um, let's just kind of get get right into it. Dave, I'll come to you first then. So, is he the right man? I think so. I'm pretty unreserved in uh, how I feel about it that he is. He was the right man a year ago, and I think he's the right man now. I think the board were foolish to let him go, as you pointed out in the wee preamble chat just before we came on. It's cost us a fortune. I'm sure you'll deep dive that. Uh, obviously, the reservation I had at the time a year ago was when we could make a step up to management in his own right and the steeliness required in managing big players, big egos. It's different being a good coach to being the manager, but he seems to have done that reasonably well at QPR. Obviously, some people like to point out they're recent on a form, but that's a blip that happens in that league. You can win the league and lose five six, seven, eight games in that particular division, so I'm not too worried about that. So, uh, in a nutshell, for me, absolutely the right appointment and one that should have been made sooner. Yeah, Eddie, um, you know, we'll touch upon that just now. Obviously, Beal was in the door last year under Gerrard's uh, stewardship. He was essentially one of the assistant managers with Gary McAllister, and he went down south to Aston Villa with Gerrard. Now, it appears obviously that Bill wanted to do that, the, the, the fact that he did indeed do it. Um, however, what we do know is that Rangers never asked the question. The, I think this comes to Dave King's sort of um, criticism that Rangers didn't do enough to keep Gerard or, or indeed his backroom stuff. But we do know that Rangers didn't ask Bill the question. Um, and now, a year later, uh, we're, we're going back to the drawing board almost um, by going with a guy that we obviously know very well, uh, both the board and the fans and the players. Um, so, is it bizarre to you that if he's the right man now, why wasn't he the right man a year ago? Especially when you consider the, the, the position we were in a year ago when Gerard left. We obviously had the semi-final coming up. We were four points clear. Bill obviously knows the players inside out. A lot of uh, talk that Rangers' style of play was predominantly the work of Michael Beale. So, can, can you quite work out why the the board decided not to um, at least ask him the question what, uh, last year? Ross Wilson. Yeah, yeah. But in in all seriousness, though, <laughs> you bring up a good point. Like, we've got a guy who is in the building. Everyone attached with the club knows that he's the the guy the, that was the brains behind that backroom team, and Gerard was the face and the name and everything, and that was great. But to not even ask the question, the only thing you can think of is they didn't think he was ready. But you can't tell me after however many games he's been in charge at QPR, what ten? He suddenly all of a sudden gone from not ready to ready that quickly, and. The only other thing I can think of is that they didn't, Ross Wilson just didn't know the team well enough. He, he didn't have an understanding of what Beale brought to it and he, he hasn't realised until he's gone away and worked elsewhere and seen that he's doing it and what he brings to it. But then that, again, speaks volumes for the 
the supposed great lengths that they went to for planning the next appointment because if you can't even do a proper analysis of the team that you've got in the building at the time then how much of an analysis can you do for a team that you've never met before? Dave, do you think it's a case of uh, Bill went down south, uh, Gerard steadied the ship somewhat with Aston Villa, um, took them away from the relegation spots, um, kind of solidified them as sort of lower mid-table. Uh, Bill leaves, Aston Villa go to the ship, and Bill makes a fantastic start with QPR. Wills then came in for him. Do you think all those things combined made the Rangers board sort of think, right, if we don't ask him or, or if we don't appoint him now, we'll probably never get him because we'll lose him to the riches of the of the English Premier League. That's how I felt when he was offered the Wolves job. I thought, right, that's that's that done now. I always thought he was, I always hoped he was the Rangers manager and waiting, as I say. I'm pretty unequivocally behind Bill and his style of play. Uh, so that's kind of my position on it. But I think the board died. When Eddie was talking about I'm hearing red flags about the board and we go on about this at length here and uh, obviously Ross Wilson being an enormous part of that particular problem, letting them walk out the door. I, I find it hard to give the board any credit. It's another appointment I think that it, it's good and I like it and I'm glad but it's another one that's the criticism that's getting on Twitter at least seems to be that it's an obvious appointment. Sometimes they're the best ones uh, anyway but it's, it, it should have been off to last year. The, the, the much-wanted recruitment process we went through for Van Bronckhurst, Ross Wilson spoke at length about finding a guy that was the right tactical fit and Gio's philosophies matched what the club were doing and continuity and all that stuff he spoke about. And then we got a guy in Gio whose philosophy and tactics and approach was completely at odds with the pillars. That, As you say, Bill, I think, was the man behind the the coaching staff last time it was a coup to get him. We installed a guy's manager who who has completely ripped that up. I said that in the last pod. Everything that Gerard done to the to the to the squad, this playing style, the philosophy has been ripped out. So Bill's effectively going to have to start again. The good thing in that front is he's still got all the same fucking players because we've no bots on any of them. So they should be able to pick it up reasonably quickly. I forgot what you actually asked me here. I went after one. No, no, it's, it's fine. You did cover it. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna come to the, the players' style of play, what he needs and stuff as well. But one thing I do want to discuss. Um, I, I mean, it's not really our problem, but the fact that he is now our manager, um, I think it's worthy of uh, at least a couple of comments. Um, obviously, QPR fans are really upset, especially given his stance on the Wolves' position, where he obviously spoke about loyalty. Um, he would now have kind of jumped ship because he asked these players to uh, come on board with him um, spoken to their families, their agents and stuff like that and if he's not committed how can he ever imagine that his players would be committed and then three, four weeks later the Rangers job becomes available he takes that does that um, I'll call it I, don't, I think it is a wee bit harsh to call it a lack of loyalty because I think we understand it better than the QPR fans because we know how he feels about Rangers. But does that backtracking worry you in any way, shape or form? Or is it just a case of, as I said, it's not our problem, that's QPR's problem to cry over, Eddie? Surprisingly, no, it doesn't. If anything, it potentially reassures me that he's actually all in at Rangers because... He, he would have undoubtedly got more money to go to Wolves and definitely more money to spend the way he wanted and 
be on a kind of bigger stage because let's be honest we we're out of the Champions League now we're not going into the Europa because we finished bottom of the group so we're completely out of the European kind of football stage so going to Wolves he would have been managing the Premier League had a lot more money to spend taking home a lot more money and turned it down for loyalty reasons but then took a a job that isn't quite as glamorous worldwide now as it potentially was a couple of decades ago and it just shows that he really really wanted to come to Rangers so that to me is actually a, a bonus um, it shows how much he does want love the club and how much he was willing to kind of look bad for going back on what he said just a few weeks ago because it was as Dave, you get in, you want to add to that and you want to disagree with or I'll take it you agree with it? Uh, no, I, I do agree with what he said there. It reassures me that he was, I think he was genuine and earnest in what he was saying about the rules job. They go through managers at a fairly rapid rate, although that might become us in due course. But um, the fact he was so vocal about turning that down, but then the fact that he's a job that's close to his heart, his family were settled up here. I was under the impression his family had remained up here after he went back down south because of school and jobs and whatnot. Um, and it does reassure me that this is the, opp- the only opportunity that I took, and I'm certainly not worried about I'm jumping ship and going back down south again anytime soon, although that might be the best case scenario because it would suggest that he's came up here, pulled up trees, got his back playing, and he's been sought again for quite a quick turnaround. If he's courted a, a headhunted for a job in England within the next 18 months then I'll consider that an absolute fucking enormous success because in doing so he's obviously like I say came up here tore it up won a couple of trophies and is now wanted and will leave us in a better position so I'm absolutely on board with that if we can punt him for 4 million quid again in another 18 months I will be delighted no, that's a, that's, a, that's a fair way of looking at it, I'm sure. Obviously, um, everyone would agree at the moment, but when the time comes, or if the time comes, we'll all be upset. But you're, you're certainly right, Dave. Um, if, if Michael Beale's back down in the English Premier League within the next two years, um, it, that's obviously going to be beneficial because it means that Rangers' fortunes on the pitch has has drastically improved. So um, I wouldn't be against that uh, scenario being the ideal scenario. Um, however, you obviously um, with Gerald, you never want to lose a successful Rangers manager, especially during the season. But um, as I said, if that was to happen, then that indicates that he's done a good job. Um, the one thing I do want to speak about with both is, is um, obviously Bill coming in, um, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, he knows the club inside out. Um, he knows everyone working at the board. Um, he'll know all the staff, um, and most most importantly, he will know. Uh, 90% of the players, um, obviously the ones that, that Gio brought in is the ones he, he, he won't know of. Um, to me, obviously, uh, I, I got a wee bit of kind of stick in uh, social media and, and, and that's fine, um, purely because of who I felt the ideal candidate was. But the reason I felt that Kevin Muscat was the ideal candidate was because I believe, as, as much as I'm fairly comfortable with Michael Beale being the manager, um, I'm very nervous, and the reason I'm nervous is that I believe that this job is going to require a fresh pair of eyes. Uh, we need someone who has no connection to the club um, in any way, shape or form that can just judge these players on what they see and make ruthless decisions. People need to be sold. Players need to be released. There can be no new contracts to certain amount of players, and there can be no more um, 
second, third, fourth chances given to certain other players. Does that worry you, Eddie? Um, because Bill does have such a relationship with the players, does it worry you that he's not going to be strong enough to make ruthless decisions that do need to be made? Um, because obviously there is a right good group of players there, uh, five to ten players that absolutely need to be moved on. Do you think that Bill has got the, I don't want to say the backbone, but the mentality to go in and drop all relations, all prior relationships and make the best decisions for the club, considering the fact that he, despite what we said, obviously, with the Will's job, but, but Michael Bill's um, one quality throughout his whole coaching career has been loyalty to certain players. To be fair, I'm not so sure it's as, going to be as big of a problem as you might think because from their last, from when he was at the club last time, the only players that really kind of seem to have that favoritism, favoritism isn't the right word, but I can't think of the right word just now, but have that kind of preferred role and, and seemed undroppable. The only ones seem to be Tav and Goldson. And to be honest, if Tav and Goldson are fit at this moment in time, we're not dropping them anyway because one we haven't got a better and we haven't got another right back and two we haven't got a better center back than goldson so they're the only two i would have had any concerns him kind of showing this that level of loyalty too and i, I don't think that's too much of an issue with those two uh we discussed on another pod about like your your fields your stephen davis i don't think he'll have a problem telling them kind of right this is kind of it guys this is your last season go out give it your all I, th- I think deep down he'll know if he doesn't succeed with us the, the the bigger jobs are not coming after that you know this is kind of it. he had his he went to QPR that was kind of his starting point but the way he's left QPR and come to us is going to leave a bitter taste in some people's mouths and perhaps not l- reflect too greatly on him especially after the the statement now, like I said, I'm happy with it because it shows his commitment to us. But, you know, outside of Rangers fans, the rest of the world, the rest of the football world are not going to be overly pleased by it or, you know, probably won't care. But, like, they're not going to see it as a positive. But he's going to have to succeed at us to then continue his career as a manager from there on, I think. So I think he'll be able to make those kind of decisions with your, your Arfields, your Davises, your Alan McGregors. And like I say, the only ones I would have been concerned about is Tav and Goldson. But actually, in this squad at the moment, they kind of are untouchable anyway, just because of how threadbare the squad is. Yeah. What well, What about you, Dave? How, how do you view it? Because um, obviously, I know that you are very much like-minded with myself in terms of you want a kind of almost complete clear-out start again. Um, and being realistic, it's not going to happen in the first window in January, it's going to probably take to about the third window next January for Bill to properly say that he's got his team. Um, and the way things are going, again, that would be a success if he makes it to a third window. But um, it's it's it just worries me a wee bit. I'm a wee bit nervous about it, the fact that there's plenty of big decisions to be made and there is a, a, a big um, attachment there between players and uh, now manager. I'm, I'm a bit less concerned about the, the attachment thing. I think there's, uh, as you say, we, we know anybody looking at this squad know well. Know anybody, Ross Wilson exists. Uh, looks at the squad and goes, this needs refreshed, overhauled, cleared out, 
we started again. There's a code, you said there's a code about 10 that need to go. I don't even know if there's 10 that should be there in four windows time, three, four windows time. So he should, he's got to know that he's going to have to come in and get rid of him. I feel, as much as I love him, is coming to the end of the road. Davis is at that point already. McGregor's clearly at that point already. Uh, Golden's got a four-year deal. Tar's the captain. Kamara's got a long-term deal, albeit he's been lost. So he'll be the one I hope to benefit most. Uh, although the way it goes with Rangers managers is they usually come in and sell the guy that you think is going to do best under them for mm. some reason. But we all thought Namucci would kick on under PLG and he bombed him out. Uh, pretty sure Gerard got rid of Windus. There's been a few anyway, but um, nah, he's got to. Obviously, we're, we're taking up on another young manager that we did with Gerard. So there's going to be mistakes that are. 40-year-old Michael Beale will make that a 50-year-old Michael Beale wouldn't make. I always felt that with Gerard, that Gerard, if, I don't think he will now, but went on to become an elder statesman manager, we would see a different version. Mm-hmm. But one of the mistakes can he be loyalty to, to, to this playing squad because I, I hope and I, I firmly believe that they'll get a rejuvenated niche of life under him. But the long-term prognosis for this particular group of players is not great to put it mildly, and that'll be a mistake that, as Eddie said there, will define his career, because there's no bigger, if you fail here, there's no bigger jobs coming. This is a, it's a bit of a risk for Bill, to be honest, taking it. Wolves, I think, was less of a risk. You should go there, and then maybe fail into another job in the Premier League or up into the Championship. I don't think, as Eddie says, the optics are not great in the way he's taking the job. Uh, from our perspective, they're fine. For a board, might be concerned, but uh, there's there's no much a safety net under him, so he's got to be bold and he's got to make big calls when he's up to speed. And obviously Dave's talking about the players there, um, purely from a, a fan's perspective here. Um, at least we can try and capture the mood with that because we're not speculating on what the manager may or may not do or what the manager may or may not be thinking. Because I'm going to come at this from a fan's angle, um, It'll be interesting to see if there is agreement here across the board or if it's 50-50 or 60-40-70-30. So from your point of view, are you willing to give some of these players yet another chance with yet another manager, with yet another uh, failed um, domestic campaign, albeit we are halfway there, but the, the likelihood is it won't be overturned. Are you willing to give them another chance? Because... I think what Dave's getting at there, Eddie, is no one is going to be surprised if Michael Beale comes in in his first 10 games, he wins his first 10 games because the players are rejuvenated, he's got the bounce. It's the next 10 games after that where the problems will start again. So are you as clear-cut as, I don't care what they do in the next 10, 15 games, I want them gone, or are you going to be sort of, yeah, I'll give them a chance and see what they can do for me? I'm with Dave on that. Um, I would be surprised... Or, no, I wouldn't be surprised, that's not the word to use. I would be disappointed if more than kind of six or seven of them are still here after the next couple of transfer windows, if I'm perfectly honest. It's a squad of players, yes, they give us a fantastic season in uh, when we won 55, and it was it was great to, you know, get that title over the line again, and, and in the fashion that they did it was unbelievable. Yeah, going to Seville was 
a great run. Maybe it's the final itself, not so much, but the, the actual run was great and the memories of that that fantastic run was brilliant. But overall, over the last five seasons, this squad's been a massive letdown who, when the chips are down, they fold. And I'm not... I'm, I wouldn't be happy to keep on the majority of this squad for much longer. It's, it's a squad that needed refreshed and rejuvenated after 55 we hung on to them for too long and now it's almost that stage where you've got an unwanted guest that's just hanging around too late and you're kind of making the the conversation head towards uh, it's getting late it's probably getting close to bedtime and they're just not taking the hint yeah it's yeah for me I'm, i'm there as well i just um i don't think it really matters to myself what the players do uh, over the next 10-15 games um, certainly between now and the end of January um, they could win every game between now and the end of January and I'd still be of the same opinion that you still need to go because there is a collapse coming or there is a a, a few poor performances away from another crisis uh, with this team um, I feel that um, there, there needs to be a new core to the team. I don't mind Goldstein. I don't mind Halfstein. They, uh, they, I wouldn't say they're the, the problems. Although some people might disagree and say that Tav's captaincy um, is an issue. For me, it's not. I, I just feel that Tav's shown enough um, uh, basically resilience um, over his time at Rangers, but he's taken so many lows, but to keep continuing to come back, that's where I believe Tav's strength is. Whereas most of the players around them don't have that uh, resilience that, that Tav does. Um, so Tav certainly for me isn't one of the problems. But in terms of another guy next to Goldson, a goalkeeper, a centre midfielder, even a striker, that kind of spine of the team, I think that is what is absolutely required first. But Dave, that obviously brings me on to that question. But what do you think Michael Beal needs in terms of personnel, in terms of finance, and uh, in, in terms of... Uh, support. What, what what do you think he requires, um, or what is required to give him the best possible chance at making this work for him as Rangers manager? He needs to be backed by the board, and that's for me partly financial. I don't think we need to throw money at it. I don't think you're talking about a a massive outlay, really. I think he needs better backed in terms of recruitment. Regardless of how the signings have arrived at Rangers under Wilson, whether it's him, the scouting team, whatever, the, the, the plain fact of that matter is that they've not been anywhere near good enough in terms of transfer strategy, in terms of impact, in terms of minutes in the pitch, in terms of contribution. I mean, you've put up various threads, and I'm sure I've done it as well. You've put up posts on Twitter saying these are Wilson signings, how many are a success? And I think if you actually boil it down, there's been two who you would call an unqualified success at about 25. That's just dismal, and that's money wasted. We're wasting money in other areas. The board need to take responsibility for like court cases and whatnot, but that's just a dismal feeling. I, I have a second team that I follow reasonably closely, as you know, and uh, I, I just, in any other football team, I can't see the same level of wastage as, as there is at Ibrox in terms of the, the transfers. Now, this, my second team obviously is Atletico Madrid and Simeone is a demanding manager and there is a bit of wastage there. Like Joao Felix is looking like an expensive mistake he wants to leave and guys fit the style. But even then, it's nowhere near the level of Rangers where signings just 
don't work. So he needs back. He needs a better director of football transfer strategy, whatever you want to call it. And I, I think you pointed out earlier on Twitter, Chris, um, of yesterday, Celtic have went and got Hatati and O'Reilly for two million quid or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Four yeah. in midfield, engine room, young players with a selling value for two million quid, and we are, we will take to the field in three weeks' time or whatever it is, and the Cup finishes. We Davis, Arfield, Lundstrom, and Kamara, two of the four in central midfield. One of them is more of a central midfielder, and they cost the Prince the sum of fifty grand. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and to, to, to put it into perspective, uh, Hitati and O'Reilly combined is Kmart Roof. You know, two million each, and we spent four million on Roof. So even when we do spend money, it needs to be more clever. Um, and you, you, you can look, you can look at every position that we've spent money on. It's just not been money well spent at all. Well, there, there you go. Sorry to cut in, but there you go. So we spent six million apparently. On Yilmaz or somewhere in that, it'll rise to that. And three million on Matondo, addressing none of the squad's failings and adding what we already know are risky as far as pacey wingers don't tend to work and small, tiny wee fullbacks generally aren't really going to work either. So we actually exacerbated, we spent nine million eight and make the squad worse. We've exacerbated their own problems. Now, whoever Whoever came up with that as I set ideas should be sacked. Whether the old man's turned out to be great or not, he's delivered absolutely nothing for that £5 million outlay. Put a £5 million central midfielder in there for Ovro Magier, who scored for uh, Croatia and is now touted with a £20 million move. And the, 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 you've got a sellable asset that looks different and the, the squad looks different with him in it. Yeah. So he needs backed financially. The board need to find the money for somewhere and he needs backed these ideas, because one thing you're going to get with Beal as well is a contact book full of promising young English players, and it's generally the guys who've worked out for us have been damaged goods for down south, who maybe were out of contract or, or in a unique situation because of the cross-border thing. Kamara was obviously at Dundee, but he's part of that soccer school network that Beal was involved in with Aribo. Aribo himself, even going a wee bit further back, Wycom, Windass, Tav, Matt Crooks didn't work out here, but it's had a good career making great strides down south. So he needs back to cooperate in markets that he knows. Nor Ross Wilson's preferred fucking venues of the Belgian League for whatever reason. And the absolute bargain bin of Dross, where he's basically just offered players by agents. Michael Beale needs back with a strategy and given the power and the money, albeit as I say, it doesn't need to be £10 million on a single player. The power to go and action that. And if he does, I believe he'll be, I firmly believe he'll be successful if he's allowed that. Eddie, obviously, uh, support comes from many different um, avenues. As I said, it could be the board, it could be Ross Wilson, it could be some of the, the, the scouts in the scouting um, department, could be the players, could be his backroom staff, um, which we'll touch upon uh, soon. Uh, one thing that's certainly going to interest me uh, this, this January, as uh, something I mentioned on Twitter today actually, was this is the first proper window that we will have where John Park can really kind of flex his muscles and show us what he's got. Do you think that that will have any positive impact? Now, Park's record with Celtic, people say it's 50-50. It's more 70-30. Um, when Park got it right, Park really hit it out the park, if you will. Uh, but when he got it wrong, by fuck, he got it wrong. 
can can we afford that strategy or do we need to be realistic and know that one in every three are going to be successful or do we need a success rate of which Postacoglu has at the moment where it's almost every single signing successful? I think that's unrealistic to hope for that. I mean, it would be amazing, but you you can't go into the intent and expecting that kind of level of um, success from signings in football. It's just never going to happen. Uh, at this moment in time, Ali would honestly take a 50-50 success rate um, that you're saying that a lot of people have kind of said Parks had in the past purely because at the moment the recruitment policy we have is more like a yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, 10% it's not... success yeah. rate if that yeah so a 50-50 success rate for me would be huge um, and I'd happily take it and I think Beal's a good enough coach that if he's given a 50-50 success rate he'll be able to build a pretty pretty strong squad well, just just on that, let's move on to that today. Um, what do you believe his immediate objectives will be? Um, and, and by that, I mean between now and the end of the season. What what do you think his remit is from a board perspective and the fans' perspective? Because obviously, the 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 the, the long term objective is to get fifty six next year. I, I would imagine. And um, so, between now and the end of the season, is it a case of get a double and run Celtic as close as we can, or do you believe that from the fans' perspective and the ball's perspective, that the league is still um, achievable? I think publicly we have to say the league's still achievable. I don't think we can judge Beal on that, though. I think he's pretty much been given a bum deal to come in and try and recover that, so I don't think that would be fair. I think the board, for all their failings, will acknowledge that. Um, and, and if they don't, then that's just another example of them just not living in the real world I think realistically we have to be looking at at least one cup but um, a double ideally and just bringing back some pride because at the moment this this team this squad is not not giving us any pride in support Rangers it's you know it got towards the, the point there before we broke up for the World Cup where actually it was becoming more of a chore to support the team than to actually enjoy it. And nobody wants that. The fans want to see a successful team. The football doesn't always have to be brilliant, but we have to actually see a team that's going out there and trying their hardest and wants to win and is giving their all. And as long as they do that, we'll be happy. I mean, a win, we need the win. The win's the most important thing, but we want to see them trying to what we were left with towards the end. There was a squad that didn't look like they were trying and, weren't getting results so there was just nothing there so I think just bringing that pride that professional pride and just going running Celtic like you say is as close as possible and a bit of cup success is what we'll be looking for What about you Dave what do you think the objectives are both kind of short term and long term Uh, Just to go back to the transfer point sorry I've always felt that a good strike rates for every three signings if you get one success and you can sell one contributor who just does his job at a basic level and one who's a bit iffy, you're actually hitting a decent strike rate. If we get 50-50, we're doing well, but we're leaving getting close to one and three being a success now. But anyway, um, in terms of objectives, the board will want the heat taken off them, so they'll want to be hit the ground running pretty quickly. City says the objectives have got to be to get the Cups and essentially prevent another Celtic treble, which 
unfortunately, whether people want to hear it or not, looks a realistic possibility at this particular time, particularly if they strengthen again in January. And it's got to be chance for the title next year. We we can't, as a club, spend more years in the wilderness because one of the reasons I'm so pro is the European thing. The, the, the style of football in Europe leading up to Obviously, the Champions League this season was excellent. Best I've seen in my lifetime, following Rangers. Last five years in Europe this era, fantastic. Some magnificent results. Great nights, great style of play. And I put a lot of the credit for that on Beal because the style of play really came to the fore in the kind of slightly slower, more open tempo of European games. But as we know, Ibrooks European qualification and doing well in the groups is very much the outlier rather than the norm. So if we don't get that and we're spending years in the domestic world on this, the future for the club looks pretty bleak, in my opinion, in terms of the financial impact that will have, no winning any trophies. That then surely, whether we want to say it or not, had a knock-on impact in attendances, which is a further financial impact. So for me, it's a kind of pivotal moment in terms of progressing the future of the club and getting back to winning. Let's be honest, if we win 50% of titles, we would for the next 20 years, we would be absolutely fucking delighted because we're looking close to that in the last 20. So it's got to be getting back to that. Um, short term, perhaps long term, it's got to be getting back to challenging for the title and eventually winning it back. Uh, this year, it's gone, in my opinion. Next year, a good challenge. The year after that, we've got to set ourselves out as we're going all out to win the league. I know that means Celtic potentially sitting in three in a row, but that's ultimately this board's doing. Yeah, yeah, I'm to agree with that. So I said I was going to be positive on this pod and I've just uh, did that, sorry about that. Um, I think it's difficult to uh, speak about Michael Beale being the new manager in, in context of that alone without speaking about the, the failings of the board. So negativity is going to creep into these discussions regardless if you have the discussion in a podcast uh, over the phone with your mate or in the pub it's 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 just the way it is at the moment um because i said that since day one when geo started becoming under pressure we can change the manager all we want but the problems will still remain on the park and in the boardroom um and those are the constants throughout the last Though I say the last 10 years are failures because obviously we've been in a unique position, but you know what I mean, like the last four or five years where we've really picked up and we've really had a go, um, the, the failures all have pointed to, to those kind of things in terms of wrong players being signed, wrong decisions being made at board level, players' attitudes, players' mentality, and they all still remain. And until we actually fix those things, there is always going to be an element of, um, don't want to say negativity, because... Uh, the, the hard facts is there'll always be an element of failure there. Um, we're not going to do a kind of Brendan Rodgers Celtic where we dominate Scottish football for the next five or six years. We're not going to do that anytime soon. Um, if we're ever ever going to do that again, it's going to be, as, as you said, Dave, 10, 20 years in the future and we have to build towards it. Um, so I'll, I'll let you away with that kind of negativity because I think <laughs> every Rangers fan would agree with what you're saying. Um a wee bit of kind of housekeeping then I, I want to just briefly move on to Geo for the last kind of five minutes of the pod. Um, so obviously um, this podcast has been released upon the announcement um, after there's been a press conference, some more quotes from Michael Beale, um, Ross Wilson and Douglas Park. 
And of course, when his backroom staff is announced, we will do another pod, um, obviously taking a delve a wee bit deeper into that. But right now, this is just purely a reactionary pod. So if you're expecting more from in terms of comments, quotes, announcements, uh, who's going to be his assistant coaches, that will be coming in due course. Um, and also, I, I do want to touch upon this before I come to you. Um, there, there was no shortlist um, this time. Um, there was only ever going to be one man for the job, and that was Michael Beale. Regardless of what they kind of want to be in the know, um, attention seekers have been saying with all these names, Nutsen and the Brazilian lad and the the Seance, I think his name was, and then Boz, uh, even to a certain extent, uh, Muscat, um, Deitch, none of those names were ever, ever considered. Um, and that's not to say that I've kind of outed myself as an attention seeker. Obviously, I had a, 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 a certain amount of um, an agenda-driven propaganda with Muscat. It was more of a want than a realistic need. Um, but it only was uh, Michael Beal. And for me, Dave, I'll come back to you here, uh, say what you want about the last time that we had um, a, a vacancy to, to fill in the manager's hot seat. We, we obviously had Gio coming in and the board said there was a process to follow, but from minute one, as soon as uh, Gerard left, right up until Gio was appointed, it was only about Gio Van Van Bronckhorst as a front runner. It's not a fact, it's just a belief. I believe that no one else was interviewed for the job other than Gio. And then this time, no one else was interviewed for the job other than Bill. Um, even if you want to call it an interview, I think it was more of a, what do you want? This is what we'll give you. So I kind of thrashing out. Is that the approach that Rangers um, should be taking, um, regardless of what Ross Wilson says in terms of there's always a, a backup plan, there's always a a seamless transition um, from manager to manager because we, we look at these guys um, whilst the manager's in the hot seat. I think Wilson actually came out with some sort of quote that even though Gerard was a successful Rangers manager and they had no um, thoughts of ever replacing them, they, they had three or four guys in the background that they seen was ideal to come in. And obviously your criticism there was Gio just went completely against everything that Gerard had um, brought to the club in terms of on the field. Is, is that a, a viable um, recruitment process, the fact that that's now two managers in succession, that there's only really been two in the running and they haven't really broadened the horizons in terms of looking further afield just to, just to see? Or is this a consequence of the failed gamble with Kick Senior where the board will always take, this board in particular, will always take the easy option? Because... Again, no, I, I don't like the fact that obviously it appears that I'm sucking his cock in many ways, but the Celtic board took one almighty gamble and it's paid off. Um, and our board seemed to play it safe uh, because I think they were harshly bitten by the, the kick senior debacle. Um, I would like to think that we would have a number of cats at the time. But Ross Wilson, whoever we're replacing with, should have in his desk drawer a list of names on a bit of paper that he updates every month with managerial candidates on it, and it should be the manager who helps him update it. It's the manager should be identifying successors, because let's be honest, unless you... There's so far outlets we've worth discussing, the likes of Walter Smith and Alex Ferguson and the dynasties and legacies, Arsene Wenger and that, we're not, we're not going to have a 20-year manager again. The other days are having so few managers, we only had 13 
up until the point we get demoted. That's gone now. We're going to replace managers every 18 months, two years, like every other club in world football, with the exception of very few. So we need to constantly be on the lookout and on the hunt. And I don't believe it's productive to, to get this or the one and only candidate, which they've interviewed other people both times. Even just to get some ideas. The interview Sean Dyche and he might say something, the interview you pick up on and go, actually, uh, Michael, we discussed this with Sean Dyche and he pointed out X, Y, or Z about the team. What do you think of that? It's like, in my work, we, we do that when we're hiring and go through a more rigorous process, but getting requests for proposals or tender invites in is always a good way to see what's going on in the marketplace with competition and whatnot. So I believe we should be doing much more due diligence in terms of the role, albeit I think this is the right idea and it's a no-brainer. But for me, as a general idea, I would think the more people you can interview, the more people you can approach, the better. Eddie, have you got any comment to make about the recruitment processes for the, the geo appointment and the bill appointment, um, considering that there is sort of parallels there between the two of them? Um, and that goes in the face of everything we're told by Wilson in terms of can, um, succession planning. No, I agree with Dave. You should be speaking to at least a, a short list of people. You kind of just speak to one person and appoint them. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm happy that we're bringing in Beale, but uh, I know, ironically, I was happy we brought in Geo as well. But the the fact of the matter is, how can you say someone's the right man for the job if you haven't spoken to multiple people, or right person for the job, sorry, if you haven't spoken to r- multiple people to ensure that actually there isn't someone else who's more suited for the job, whose ideas are more forward thinking, or who comes up with something that you hadn't actually thought about yourself with a fresh pair of eyes on the squad, for example, you kind of just say, right, this is the man we want, and this is the only person that's going to be able to do the job. You need to speak to a group of people and see who actually has the best ideas and what you think is going to be the best fit going forward to only interview one person and then just automatically give them the job it just it's not doing you due due diligence yeah i've always i've always kind of um thought this um and it's been kind of brought home more in the last week since Joe left but for me the the transition timeline should have looked something like warburton to gerard to bill and in, instead, in between all them, we had Pedros and Murtis and, and Geos and then a couple of caretakers, obviously, with Jimmy Nicol and McCallum. But the transition was always there, so they are getting some things right. Warburton took us from, obviously, the Championship, and I have absolutely no doubt about it. He would establish this in the Premier League. Um, I think he would have won 55. No, I don't. So then in steps Gerald. Gerald then gets us back to where we belong. Gerard goes on to pastures new to try something else and then Bill steps in and continues the work that Gerard does. But only this board could totally fuck that up by hiring a Portuguese journeyman who was managing in Qatar, giving it to an underqualified youth coach and Murray who cries in the sideline after getting beat off Dundee again and then obviously giving it to Gio who they said was the perfect fit but obviously the evidence suggests otherwise and instead of giving it to the guy who was in the building already they, they obviously made a very costly error and giving it to Gio so um, as much as they probably do deserve a bit of praise for the time the time the time frame and getting Bill in the door and actually getting Bill I think it is still a bit of a coup in terms of his stock is fairly high down south 
I still think there is an element there of criticism that is due their way because these decisions, rather than it being some sort of method methodological thought behind it, they seem to be stumbling um, upon it and sometimes we'll stumble upon a bad decision, but sometimes we'll stumble upon a good good decision. Whereas I actually want to see consistency and good decision making and that is certainly something which we haven't seen in a very, very long time and that completely has to improve. Um, which will make this AGM very, very interesting indeed. But that, that's that's Michael Beale is obviously the new Rangers manager, um, and we will support him. I'm happy about it. I'm delighted for Beale because I know how much it means to him, and um, I'm nervous. Uh, there's a, a good few things to be nervous about, which I've obviously discussed in this pod. But it's it's going to be fun again. So that's that's all that really matters. I think I think that's where we're at as a fan base. Just make us enjoy it a wee bit more than we have been the last couple of months and, and I certainly think that we certainly will um, and, and that's good but that, I just want to touch upon uh, Van Bronckhorst obviously very very uh, briefly here he released a statement on Instagram I'll read it very quickly um, the opportunity to manage an institution like Rangers Football Club is a privilege which very few are afforded as a former player I understood the responsibility and magnitude of the task my backroom team and I worked with energy passion and were driven with a belief that we could achieve amazing things we treated our roles with respect optimism and determination we experienced some incredible highs especially on our European journey to Seville Winning the Scottish Cup for the first time in over a decade and qualifying for the group state of the Champions League is something I'm very proud of. The passion of our support drove us on to achieve those wonderful memories. For that, I am forever grateful to every single one of you who travelled near and far, spent your hard-earned money and never gave up supporting our team. This season, like every year at Rangers, the first priority is domestic success. I understand the hurt when wins become draws and worse when we experience defeat. This isn't acceptable at a club of Rangers standing. No one understood that and felt that more than I did. I faced unique challenges and some very difficult circumstances to operate in. Rangers Football Club will always be in my heart and I wish the club all the success for the future. Once a Ranger, always a Ranger. Now, you have guys who come into Rangers in any capacity, player, manager, coach, uh, director, um, admin, staff, physio, you know, any capacity. They then leave Rangers and, and they'll come out with something possibly similar to this. Uh, referring to us as uh, us, our our team, our club, once a ranger, always a ranger. Not all of them are genuine, but in this case, uh, I have to say this was incredibly genuine and I, I believe every word that he said. Um, it saddened me a little bit because it's no more than what I expected from Gio. Uh, Gio was well within his rights to have a few pot shots. He, he kind of did, but he didn't elaborate. So he saved the skin of the people who stitched them up a little bit, uh, which they don't deserve. I, I believe that um, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, as much as he didn't have the full support of the club, uh, of the fans towards the end because of results, I believe Van Bronckhorst would have had the full support of the fans if he came out and said, Ross Bolson made my job harder, for example. But Gio was far too classy for that to go down to that sort of level. Um, but we all know what it meant by, obviously, difficult circumstances, unique challenges. Um, I have to say, we we will probably be looked upon um, in Europe, especially Holland. It's been a, bit of a weird wee club and a weird wee country because after everything he did achieve in that 12 months, they then get the sack, they'll be thinking, 
what the fuck is up with them? You know, first Scottish Cup in ten years, first uh, first European final in ten years, only the fifth European final in the whole history. First time they got to the Champions League in twelve years. What more could this guy have done? But obviously, as Rangers fans, we know that there was much more that could have been done. So Gio will definitely get another job because his job at Rangers is, in my opinion, enhanced his reputation uh, within the kind of coaching uh, community. And I also firmly believe that. Um, History will be a lot kinder to Gio. Um, ten years, we'll look back and go, how the fuck did he do that? Uh, especially Seville. Um, so I'm happy in that respect. Also, uh, that's that's not me saying overall he did do a good job because, as I said, because I'm a fan of the club, I know his pitfalls and his failings, which the, the normal kind of Dutch punter or even English punter won't actually fully understand. But it just, uh, it just saddened me how much um, obviously, he's hurting when the reality of the situation is he he was stitched up, he was dealt a bad hand, uh, he he was not backed to the extent he should have been backed, um, and that 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 could be a failing on Van Bronckhorst as well because obviously Gio did come across as a bit of a soft yes man, which probably led to his downfall. Um, but I just think that. History will be a lot kinder to Gio, and obviously Gio's not listening to this podcast, obviously, but um, I, I just have nothing but gratitude for the way he's handled himself within the year that he was here, the way he's handled the exit, the the, the dignity and class of that statement, the, the protection that he afforded the club when he really could have put the boot in, and the fact that, you know, this is a guy who had a world-class career, has no bitterness towards the club when really he's got a case for... Um, He's he's got an argument for saying that he was treated quite shoddily, um, albeit, as I said, I think it was the right decision. But Dave, I'll come to you first before I come to Eddie, because I know you'll have the more kind of polarising opinion uh, to me with us. But I know you probably haven't bought this or whatever, but you, you can't deny the fact that it's a classy statement from a, a very nice guy who um, probably did deserve better in the end. Uh, I read that and I was a wee bit, you kind of saddened a wee bit by it. I was very vocal that I didn't think Van Bronckhurst was the right the, the right manager. Uh, I, I don't think he's a particularly good coach and I, I don't think I'll change that opinion but uh, he probably is right with this start debate the other night and um, he can feel hard done by in certain respects. Obviously, not being up to the task it's nothing to do with his personality. I think he conducted himself well as a human. I don't know if he necessarily always made me feel he was conducting himself properly as a Rangers manager in terms of some of the things he said. But a good guy, not a right job. We move on. It's sad that it's obviously his, his reputation as a as a former player. It's taken a bit of a hit, but here we go. But the, the board comments, I don't know, it didn't say the board, everybody just jumped onto that. And it's, it's, to me, it's obvious it might not be to other people that the difficult and unforeseen circumstances thing Involving injuries mainly, I would say as well. Obviously, there are a lot of injury problems, some of which, as I discussed earlier, were his own making. But um, it, it seems clear that to me that was like a not been backed. The recruitment's not been good enough to let me do what I want. I'm not sure he would have done it, done any better if he got the right recruitment because I think he was a manager. But um, I think he's just sending a recorded message to the fans there, basically saying, ah, this is fucking." Not great. 
here, but uh, aye, he's he's gone handled his silver back class and dignity, and fair play him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he done his uh, he done himself no harm really. Um, in terms of his conduct, and I, I believe he'll always be welcome back to to Ibrox. And, and as it's, I said, so it's interesting that you see the, the history, but that's interesting. I, I, I agree with that. To be fair, uh, I think we'll look back in history while we came to him because I think we, my if we did the podcast in two thousand and five six when McLeish was in. Uh, charge and I was a bit younger, a bit stupider. Some of the things I'd have said about that man would have got me fucking lynched and arrested. Yeah. I was absolutely horrible yeah. anti McLeish. I, I literally hated the guy. Yeah. For, for his on the pitch stuff. But again, a, a classy guy, handled himself with dignity, was given fucking no help whatsoever by the board at the time. And in hindsight, even though that season was a shambles, we got to the last sixteen and whatnot. He actually did amazingly well to keep it all together and win two titles. The man should be fucking nice. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I, I hated him, right? I can totally relate with that because the, to, to this day, despite seeing McCoy's football and, and even Gio's brand of football, McLeish's brand of football is the worst brand of football I've ever seen uh, for a Rangers team. And yeah, I was pretty much the same as you, Dave. I was like, what the, this guy needs to go. And I was quite... Um, quite nasty as well because I was obviously, you know, uh, 16, 17, 18 or whatever it was and, and uh, I kind of look back now and go, fuck, I was incredibly harsh on that guy, like he did a really good job with basically two hands tied behind his back, so um, no, I totally, I totally relate to, I totally relate with you with that point, but um, Eddie, what's, what's your kind of final comments on Gio, the statement and the job that he done? I liked the statement, I thought it showed a touch of class as he went out, he could have been bitter the way that they allowed him to do that interview of Sky Sports to celebrate the year in charge and then sacked him a couple of days later because they obviously must have had it in their head at that point they were letting him go so I, I thought that was just another episode of them doing doing him dirty in a long list of episodes of them doing him dirty um, yeah I think history will be kind to him because ultimately he did win as our first cup in a decade he did win us he did take us to a European final but that is history looking back on him kindly because let's be honest this last kind of three months have been absolutely rank rotten and he did need to go um, unfortunately it doesn't work out you know you know nice guy the board haven't done him any favours but he's still the man in charge of that squad and towards the end it wasn't just a case of he, he didn't have the players the players that he did have were, were still good enough to get results against teams like St Johnston and he wasn't getting it out of them so as nice a guy as he is and as good a job as he did in, in the Europa League last season and the Scottish Cup last season ultimately the league's your bread, bread and butter and he just hasn't cut the mustard when it's come to that league form and the team weren't behind him anymore. He clearly lost the the locker room. So, unfortunately, yeah, it was the right decision to let him go. Wish him no ill will. Thank him for that run. But time to sever ties. Yeah, no, I think I think we've between the three of us, we've just pretty much um, summed it up perfectly. To be honest with you, um, no. So that's it. As I said, obviously, um, join us. In the next couple of weeks, so there'll be a few more pods. Obviously, there'll be further reaction to Maple Beal's appointment uh, with some 
press conference news, backroom staff news, some quotes from the, the board. We'll also get the AGM coming up. The players are back as well. Um, they're back in training. We've got the Leverkusen friendly and obviously the league will resume after um, the World Cup uh, finishes. So there's plenty of content coming up. So if you like, subscribe, follow. Um, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we are on Spotify, YouTube, and we're also on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music as well. We're on that. Um, so uh, producer Andrew will obviously post the links to this as well so as I said if you could like, subscribe follow to any of the, the channels that we're currently on and um, you will get the most up to date Rangers news um, as it happens um, all it remains for me to do is first of all thank you Eddie, thanks very much mate No, no problem it was nice to come on and be able to talk about something that although we we did manage to find a negative slant in it, an overall positive um, subject and just before we go, if anyone listening wants us to look at any in particular, um, has any comments on the podcasts or even has suggestions, they can contact us as well just to let them know. And that can be done via contact at Saturday at three dot co dot UK. Yeah, we'll put the we'll put the link in to the the description for that as well for the, the email address. Um and finally, Dave, thanks very much, mate. Cheers, guys. Pleasure to see you. Good to talk about something reasonably positive, albeit we under this book there will be no all happiness. But this was a bit as good as it got, I thought. Are you getting yourself ready for the the, the AGM? You know, I can just imagine you in the rock montage. Oh, I don't even. <laughs> Should be interesting. And uh, thanks to the listeners. Um, join us uh, over the next couple of weeks for all the content that I just said that will be coming out. And uh, thanks for supporting the pod.